This is a global original podcast. Hi and welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. The podcast where my husband Mark and I discuss the challenges, difficulties, frustrations and ultimately the joys of being parents and step-parents to four wonderful, talented, beautiful daughters aged between 25 and 12. Wow. So a really far-reaching and wide-ranging conversation today about uh, whether our children, the UK's children, are the unhappiest in Europe. It's claimed that they are. Uh, A new report suggests that they are, but we sort of try and unpack why that might be, don't we? Yeah, and it's been really great, actually, because so many of you have sent in really good comments that have given us food for thought, nourished our brains. Yes. And it is. It's it's really interesting. It's a windy path. It's, it's a windy part. What I also like about this as well, it's not just about why children are unhappy. It, it is about why are British children unhappy? unhappy. What is yeah. it about our culture? Yeah. I, like, I like the way we analyse that. Mm. Here we are in our broom cupboard. Yep. Still in, well, we're not in lockdown, but we're certainly not in offices, are we? No, we're not in studios. We're not in studios. Podcasts with people bringing us nice cups of coffee no, and stuff. No, with lovely silky microphones. So nope. The sound is nice We just clean. have to do it here. So we do apologise if this is a bit tinny or if it's been a bit tinny because we are doing it from home. Um, So we've got a, it's quite a big one today. It's quite a big topic. It's children and unhappiness. Uh, And the peg for this was last Friday, I saw a report from the Children's Society. Uh, They do an annual good childhood report. Um, And more than a third of UK 15-year-olds scored low on life satisfaction, making them the least satisfied or having the lowest levels of happiness of all children in Europe. So UK children have the lowest happiness levels in Europe. I could be wrong, but I feel like I hear this every year. Well, it's weird, isn't it? So things aren't improving. Well, it's not only do we hear it every year. We hear it, we kind of all comment on it, and then we all push on on, and do nothing about it fundamentally. Mm. Um, One of the things that the Children's Society specifically cites in their report, though, is a fear of failure. Um, So this just led us to think that we should perhaps have a talk about this. Now, what's most troubling of all about this report is this was a report that was done prior to the pandemic. Oh, my God. So God only knows what those figures will be now. now. Um, But I just thought it was a curious one. So you posted some stuff, uh, a question on Mm. Instagram, didn't you, on on our social Mm. media, asking why would it be that British children, and I do think it's important that we stress that, this isn't just about why children are unhappy. This is about why British Mm. children are unhappy. And, you know, I have been wondering, what is it about our culture, our lifestyle, the way we, not not the obvious kind of direct things like how, I mean, obviously education is going to come up massively, but how are we just with kids as a culture? Do you know what I mean? Mm. What is our sort of family approach? And well, it's funny because when you talk to me about this, I just went to things straight off the top of my head. It's one of those straight off your top of your head moments. Well, no, is it that, you know, when I think, like last year I was in France with Maddie, you didn't come, did you, and, and Kay, and we were staying with some Brits but they'd very much taken on the French culture. They'd been there a few years. And they were saying how bizarre it was for them when they first moved there. Because come Sunday, everywhere was empty. Outdoor swimming pools. Empty. The, empty of just children on their own. Like outdoor swimming pools. There weren't no children. 
just oh. on their own. And we were, we were the same. We're like, oh, what do you mean? And she said, that's because everyone gathers together, aunts, uncles, cousins, whatever, and they sit and they have a long, long lunch mm. together and the children are just uh, there, yeah. you know, teens as well. Yeah. So off the top of my head, that was one of the first things. Do we sit enough with our children? Do we listen enough to our children? When I think back to when I was little, I... I did have anxiety about stuff. I really, really did. But there was very much the attitude that you don't talk about it and you don't navel gaze and you just don't be silly. Mm. Don't be silly was the attitude. I don't know what it's like across the rest of Europe, but do we tend to do that more in this country with our children? We don't listen to them. We don't acknowledge the stuff that they're going through. I don't know. I think... Well, when I think I th- maybe when- that's it. I mean, everyone always, we all feel better as adults, don't we? If we think that somebody's heard us, not necessarily that they can fix it, but that somebody's listened to us and heard us. Well, um, I mean, when I, I think we've discussed it before on, on these chats. Uh, but, you know, yeah, w- when you look back to when you were a child, there wasn't the language of sort of depression and sadness. Mm. And you can be sad and you can be unhappy because you haven't got the sweets that you want. You haven't got the toy that you thought you, sh- you deserved. Your friends haven't contacted you or whatever. Um but unhappiness, in terms of fundamental unhappiness, I think we're talking about here, when we use the word unhappy today, I do think it's interesting, isn't it? Because there's an element of hysteria that creeps in. Ah! It's like, you know, we're all running for the hills, kind of going, what do you mean, our children? Unha-? There's a distinction between having unhappy moments as a child, which all children have, uh, being unhappy about obvious things. And then there's about there's a difference between that and a fundamental malaise, isn't there? Which is verging on depression or, or satisfaction and, and what have you. And I, I, I believe that, you know, this assessment that's been done is looking at the fundamentals, the core, the, the kind of the substantive kind of mental health of children rather than whether, you know, they're unhappy about surface, you know, it's very, it's, short-term it's, nonsense. It's funny because when, when Dina and I, that's my oldest sister, I was about 14, 15. She was about 16. And we went over to Italy because she was learning Italian and she was doing an exchange and they'd been over here and then they'd been, she'd been over there, they'd been over here. And then we all went back. I wasn't part of the school, but I just went with her. And oh my God, when we returned from this trip, we cried and cried for weeks. Wow. Because the life, the Dolce Vita was so, so different. Which translated means? The sweetness of life. Right. And so teens there... Nobody was drinking, but everyone was hanging out. Guitars would come out. They would sit singing. You'd go out and you'd have coffees and just this energy and this community. And when you think about it, we had more of a community than most people because I had a big family. So Saturdays and Sundays, all my Arab side of the family would come over and there would be big meals. That had its own challenges because they were quite difficult people. But it was it gave me that sense of community. And it was very, very important to me. And sometimes I feel very sad now that I don't have that. But Italy was that with knobs and bells on it really was and i remember us coming back and talking late into the night me and my sister i'm like why can't life be like that here and still now what she's nearly 60 she still yearns to go and live in italy because of what that ignited in her that we just didn't have here i mean we would get together and hang around on street corners and try and see boys or we go down the pub and there might be a bit of a fight but there wasn't dolce vita there yes. really wasn't. Yeah. And I don't know whether 
that's still the case now for our teens. Yeah, I mean, I very much feel as a kid, I just kind of got on with being a kid. I don't feel I was particularly seen or recognised by the adults. I mean, I was kind of bundled from here to there, like kids are, you know, go mm. from grounds for holiday. Uh, I just got on with my life. I mean, you know, I was loved. I, I felt looked after by my grandparents. You know, I was, an only, I was the only child in the family. But I mean, more generally, culturally, I often wonder whether the unhappiness, when we see this story that comes out every year, the first thought I go to, it's interesting that you should reach to Europe, actually, is I, I, I reached to the idea that as, as, a, as a culture, we're, in, we're not a particularly fun bunch, the Brits. I mean, obviously, there are fun people. Not here. in the same way as they are, not, say, in America. No, no, no. no in I America went to, or Italians. I went or, 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 yeah. or, you know, in various other cultures where there's a great sort of desire to just let go and, and, yeah. ju- and just be free and, and have siestas and, and all this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, we are stiff upper lip. We're kind of, we're a bit bitter and twisted. We don't like it when people get out of their box and are a bit above themselves, that sort Just of stuff. Just on that, if you take the example in Italy, one of the things that my eyes were like, wow. And I had a bit of that because I had a mixed culture at yeah. home. But, you know, somebody would start singing in Italy and everyone starts singing with them. Right. That's teens. Yeah. You do that and everyone yeah, goes, yeah, oh, God, please shut up. Very true. You know, and that yeah. leaping up and just suddenly dancing. Yeah. And these things are... I believe are what makes the difference. Mm. I think also we don't eat enough together. I mean, every no. single meal in Italy, we all came home as teens and had lunch together all around the table. Yeah. And sometimes that was just a thin bowl of soup. I'm not talking about fancy sure. food here. And I think that's what brings cohesiveness between a family, between people. But I do think there are some kind of very... They don't work as hard. But there are, there are some very simple reasons for that. Um, and we're going to get into some of the comments from a lot of our listeners in a bit. But I do think that you have to bear in mind that the reason that that free and easy, kickback, laid back, siesta-like kind of joys of life and whatever the, the Italian phrase is, what is it? Dolce Vita. Dolce Vita. Um, the reason all of that can kind of coexist more more easily in sort of Mediterranean countries is obviously the weather. I mean, everything about the weather, the landscape... Mm is asking you to slow down a bit because actually necessarily historically you had to. It's hotter. And that's why they live the longest, the Italians. They They live the longest. But you have to understand that we are a northern hemisphere country. And I think, you know, it's fair to say that the further north you get, the slightly more austere you could argue our attitudes to fun and, and because their working hours aren't as long, parents here no. are exhausted. Well, exactly, and that leads me again to the idea that when you see these reports about unhappiest children in Europe, it's probably because we're, we're more than likely the unhappiest people in Europe. We feel isolated. I think it's just the we, children. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's the children. I think they're a reflection of us, the parents, the collective parents, the adults of the culture. Because if you think about it, and I genuinely think at the moment we're in a very curious situation. Brexit, which I know is a dirty word and we haven't heard about for a long time because of COVID. Brexit is a really odd one for the mental health of our country in general. It's seen the desire to leave Europe is very much an older person's desire. Almost entirely, the younger population doesn't see the world even in these terms of country edges and us needing to be different and separated off. And I think that there is a real disconnect between the young and the old in this country, to the point that this idea of seen but not heard, it's happened within our politics. There's an entire generation here that feels unheard, unrepresented, and like they'll never be represented. So I think when we start to talk about things of unhappiness, of course, there's the unhappiness of a child, you know, who maybe is on social media too much. But there's also the sense of what are their horizons? What are they looking at? They're looking at a future where our government is saying to us that essentially, we're going to sort of be more insular looking, we're going to be more interior looking, you know, 
Um, Brexit's going to happen. There might be no deal. We're going to have to. It's going to have to get tougher before it gets better. It's like bloody hell. You know, kids don't think in those. Planet's terms. only got ten years left. Then, it's then you look at climate horrendous change. Horrendous time to be a child. I really, really believe that. Yeah. I feel so sorry for young people. Yeah, it's the macroeconomics. So the macro situation, I think, is contributing to things as much as the sort of day-to-day micro micro stuff, mm. which a lot of our listeners Im- have kind of honed in on. Imagine a world here in this country where, like Italy, where I was so I was so impressed by that life. It yeah. ignited me. Imagine a world where you come home and you have lunch with your family. Good this above. country doesn't help us no. to be better families. No. It doesn't. Long hours, terrible transport system, hugely expensive just to get yourself to work and never mind anything else. Which is what and makes it even more perverse. And sorry, yeah. sorry, listener, I'm going to have to go off on one here. Makes it even more perverse that if there is, a, this is what gets me about this pushing everyone back to the offices. Why not, if there is a way for families to spend more time together, earn the same money, work just as hard, deliver as much work mm. value for work and value for money to the company they work for. If they can do that at home and, and, and enrich their family life, why not allow it? Exactly. I don't understand. Exactly. Why would you then want to be on a commuting train standing, paying a fortune, mm. paying half your mortgage, unable to afford your mortgage because you're standing on a train, going to an office yeah. you don't need to go not to? Not having dinner with your kids. Yeah. I mean, that was another thing, you know, like in Italy and in Spain, because I spent quite a bit of time in Spain when I was a teenager as well was you would have dinner as a family before you went out. So, And when I was filming Passport to the Sun, I really noticed this. Um, This was years ago, a show I did for the BBC. And uh, we'd walk out to film in the evening and there'd be all the Brit kids absolutely smashed, 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 smashed. And then Drunk. Drunk. And then um, you would have the Italians who were holidaying in Spain, you'd have the French, you'd have the Spanish, and they truly wouldn't be. I mean, just... They weren't drunk. And you know what? Nearly every one of those kids had had dinner with their family before they went out. Wow. Whatever that was. And so they don't drink. They eat dinner and then they go out late, much later, and they have a few drinks. We keep talking about this. We've talked about this for decades and decades and decades. Like you say, we talk about it and then we push it to one side. I think our government doesn't help us to be families in the way that we need to be for all of our mental health. Mm. I mean, parents don't get a chance to spend time with their kids because no, no, everybody's working so bloody hard. I mean, it's a little Such bit, long hours. It's a How little many bit buses analogous. are working it's a little bit, How many trains are, are going to be cancelled? It's a little bit analogous with our sort of, you know, the fact that, you know, we homeschool our kids. Um, and we often talk at the moment we're promoting our new book, uh, Honey, I Homeschooled the Kids. And a lot of the times we're sort of having to say things like, we are not anti-school, we're not anti-teachers, no. we're not. We're actually, our heart goes out to the vast majority of teachers who'd like more freedom, more flexibility, mm. more time to teach in a more instinctive and, in, and intuitive mm. manner. My heart goes out to, you know, it's very easy to point the finger at the parents and family life and all that. But actually parents like teachers are working within a system that's exactly. hemming us in exactly. from all angles. They need support. Financially, in terms of time, in terms of, you know, location. 
you know, it, it, it's, it's an, and in terms of politics, I go back to things like Brexit. When you have things like Brexit, that seems like such an unsexy word. And, you know, we, it's like we've all said, thank God we haven't had to listen to it for so long. But any minute now, we're about to crash into a no-deal Brexit quietly behind the auspices of COVID. COVID nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but but for youngsters, you know, we haven't yet felt the feeling, you know, the full effect of that. We haven't yet yeah. felt the full of economic effect of COVID. Yeah. So this report being done before lockdown, I'm really scared. What do some of the people, because loads of people commented on what they think is is leaving our children so Well, what's really interesting, and I'm really, really pleased about this, is that a lot of people have really made the attempt to connect the Britishness to it. You know, Mm. so it is about Britishness as much as it's about, you know, the sort of more general, as I said, macro reasons for unhappiness. Mm. Just a quick thing, actually. When I was about 16, I went to America for a while. Yeah. And you know what I noticed there? And I came back with an aching heart. It's so interesting, isn't it, when you travel and you have these things that ache to my heart. That's why travel is a huge part of education. Yeah. You know. But I I came back and, and... it was the way the grown-ups played. Right. I'd never seen anything like it. I love my mum and dad. They've been great mum and dads. Yeah. But they, on a Sunday, weren't throwing a ball. They weren't yeah. running around. They didn't have all their friends around, and they're playing rounders, and they do. And I was really, really struck by how the Americans, the ones I met, of course, it's I'm generalising here, had this enormous sense of play still in them. Yes. They were playful. I love, I mean, that's one of the things I love about you is yeah. that you're very playful. I'm really yeah. draw, drawn well, I wish we'd to play playful more sport. people. I, yeah, I mean, I think you mean more generally than just sports. Yeah, no, yeah. no, not just sport, just playful. Yeah, yeah. Silliness. Yes, absolutely. Not just sitting on a barbecue and just drinking loads and loads, another yeah. bottle of rosé, another bottle of rosé, another bottle, yeah. which is, to be honest, what a lot of barbecues are like here. Absolutely. There's a lot of being silly. Yeah. Again, I do think the weather does play a big part in it. But um, Yeah, and I think being able to be out and about and all that kind of stuff. But mm. I do, again, go back to this idea that children, you know, are merely a reflection. You, you often quote Khalil Gibran, you know, uh, children pass through us, they're not part of us. No, through us, not to us. Through us, not to us. There we go. Um, you know, by the same extension, our children can't help but be a reflection of what mm. they've seen. So, for example, if you if we drink a lot more, kids are going to have it sort of told to them on a subliminal level mm. that drink and alcohol solves the situation. That's a way to get past this and all that kind of stuff. Um, but one of the first comments that came up was from a friend of yours, Kaz, um, said... Uh, the reason probably British kids, and this is the question, why are British kids the unhappiest in Europe? And Kaz says, because the parents are struggling with mental health, it deflects and reflects onto the children. Yeah. And well, I think, she works with young children. Yeah. She works with young children a, a lot and has done for the last 10 years. Yeah. So she really knows what she's talking about. And that goes back to my thing, mm. you know, and I think if the mental health of us parents and our happy, the happiness of parents is, mm. str- you know, under duress and we're struggling mm. and we're, we're mm. grappling with stuff, mm. then our kids are going to. All of what we've just said and all of what I feel that I loved and, and was, was heartened by when I travelled is all that we all need. It's not just children, like yes. you say. So so if we're saying, oh, God, I felt this and I felt the miss of this as a child, yeah. then so did my parents yeah, and yeah. vice versa. Um, Sarah Tay says, kids aren't left to explore the inner self. They're digitally entertained 24-7 and can't get bored. It's interesting. Boredom is hugely important. Boredom is hugely important. Because out of boredom comes creativity. Out of creativity become, comes a sense of like independence, Yoda. doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. Self. I mean, when we when our girls go off for hours and hours and hours and hours, nine times we leave them to it. We don't do all that. Are you all right? What are you doing? What are you doing? Going into the room. Uh, they're allowed to close their doors. And when we go and you have a peek, nine times out of ten, Maddie is writing a song or on a guitar right. and Kiki is painting. Yeah. 
In fact, more um, often than not, when they are on the phones, I don't know how we should take this personally, is when they're with us. Us, yeah, because <laughs> we're so bloody boring. Well, and we also, because not only are we so boring, but we're also on our phones, and that's something that comes up a bit here. Um, this is this has come through a lot. I mean, schooling and education, obviously, is a massive deal. Um, you know, I think mm. reading a lot of these comments, it's made me even more grateful for the choices we've made, or, you know, alongside Maddie and Kiki in terms of their homeschooling. You know, I think the education system and the measuring system is, is massive. Uh, this one, uh, coming from a 21-year-old, I think school is a massive issue. And the idea that the only way we achieve is through good grades, not by purely enjoying something um, or growing in the area of, you know, passion that you're interested in. So wow, this, I, there you go. Yeah, I mean, that almost... That's, that's what we talk about all the way through our book, book Honey, I Homeschool the Kids. We... I mean, children are test. They start testing them at four now. Yes, it's crazy. Yeah. It's not. It doesn't lay a fertile ground for learning or really finding your passions. And we know that. I mean, they they're tested more than anywhere else in, in the world, in the almost, world, aren't absolutely. they? Absolutely. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe in China and Japan, it's different. But, but yeah, this comes up time and time again, doesn't it? From people yeah. that follow us on our social media channel, that the absolute stress. And I think, and I think school. the main reason for that is is that what comes with any it's interesting isn't it because you'll often get sort of educational experts and government ministers saying well of course we're not saying everyone's a failure and just because you know the grade there mm. the grading system there is to maintain quality and thresholds we need to make mm. sure that there is a quality threshold and all this kind of stuff but what we're finding actually in the educational systems in the west and this is not diminishing the achievements of children what they achieve it's all relative to their generation what they achieve in their GCSEs and A-levels and degrees but a, an absolute fact is that universities are having to lower their educational standards and le- levels in order to accommodate what they feel isn't being dealt with at A-level standard. Yeah. Now, that, that's what I call a trickle-down effect. It's no reflection on the kids because the kids could probably reach higher if they, if they needed to. But there is a trickle-down happening in the, re- in the reverse direction. Um, but I, and, I take real language with the fact that unless you've got maths, yes. you can't move on. It, well, uh, right. There is no way. You could have tied me to a chair for 10 years and I would not pass a maths GCSE. Sure. And now it's like, unless you, I mean, we've just had this with a friend of ours, haven't yeah. we? He loves his school. There's no way he can go up to the A-level part of the school yeah. unless he's passed maths. It seems he's not going to pass so maths. so bizarre that you would cut <laughs> and out. And he doesn't want maths. Yeah, it seems so bizarre that you would essentially cut out 96% yes. of a person personality yes. for 4% that's required. It seems Hence why, so as the Children's Society, I think you quoted at the beginning, that there is a fear of a failure. failure. Well, of course there bloody is. Because if you are determined, everything, it feels to that child that everything is determined as to whether they can pass this bloody mass GCSE yeah. or not. Of course they're going to feel a sense of failure. Crikey, I would have done. Yeah. And I don't see myself as a failure. And I left school with one GCSE. And there's something really, really wrong. Well, no level. I think there's something really, really wrong with the system that doesn't say, okay, you're probably not going to pass your maths. That doesn't mean that we don't want you to try really hard, no. and you must, but let's have another level for you. But, hey, my God, you're going to get an A star in art. You've mm. got something about you. There's none of that. Yeah, no, I agree. It's trying to get everyone through the same tiny pinhole. Yeah, well, I, but to be fair, the reason for that is to maintain, and the argument back would be we have to maintain a basic level of numeracy and literacy. For the Why nation. don't they do arithmetic? But well, but numeracy and literacy for the nation is one thing. You can maintain that or try and maintain that for a nation without making there some kind of punishment if you don't thread the eye of the needle. Yeah. If a child doesn't thread the eye of the needle with maths, what are we actually saying here? If there are many kids that don't do it, are we saying that the school's at fault? 
the child's at fault. What's at fault? Some in? people just can't get maths. And Precisely. I was some people just can't. Yeah. And, and, and I just can't. I mean, I actually do think I've got some kind of discalculator because I get terrified around numbers. But there are, I have met hundreds and hundreds of people through my life that have said exactly mm. the same thing, which means there's tens of thousands of people that think the same thing. But it's thing. beyond simplistic. And I'm amazed beyond. we have the most unsophisticated system that if you struggle to get maths, you are you somehow have an oasis of other opportunities immediately removed, removed from, you. from your life. What would the difference be? It'd be really good, wouldn't it? I, I love this idea of hindsight, where you can go back and go to a fork in the road and go to other, you know, test drive another route. I'd love to know what would have happened to all those children who didn't feel they had to opt out of the educational system because they didn't have maths or English to a sufficient standard, but could have done incredibly well in any other number of the creative mm. arts or vocational studies or practical skills languages, or technical skills, yeah. you know. What if somebody's brilliant at languages but is no good at maths? I know. It's a brilliant brain to be good at math languages. It's just crazy. It's I love that chapter in our book, actually, to GCSE or, or not, not to, to GCSE, GCSE, because I do think we've really got to interrogate this. Yeah. We keep seeing these studies over and over again that our children are incredibly stressed yeah. in this country over the whole exam process. So and it's an education. We need to do something about it. We have talked about this in another, another chat, but it is also an exam system that is uh, has evolved pretty badly, really. Uh, from the Industrial Revolution. This is where this kind of system came in. Well, it's like you say, isn't it? It's, it's, it these are tests for the system. They test not the system, system, not, not, the, not the person. Um, this is one that will be close to your heart. Laura Graves says that she believes it's due to bad diets and not enough nice weather. Now, I this think is something that's, that's very... I didn't even want to say that because I was too scared to say it and everyone would go poo, poo, poo. The other thing, when I'm talking about other countries that you go to, you know, you see young children chewing on prawns, eating mussels, having great big piles of <laughs> samphire and <laughs> saffron, right? You know, this, I, who's that person? Thank you for saying this because I couldn't have just said this myself because we've got <clears throat> food. Yeah. Food, food, food. Would you put the shittest, lowest grade petrol in your beloved car and expect it to run well? Imagine how beloved your children are. And, you know, in but Italy, some people do there's they no can't snacking. To, but it is cost. Cost the is the problem. The cheapest food is to buy things like pulses and all that stuff mm. that is really, really good for you cabbage, all that, yeah. those really cheap vegetables. Processed food is incredi incredibly expensive. Yeah. But Fish fingers you... price per pound is the same price as smoked salmon. Yeah, you know. But so in a weird way, though, it goes back to the educational problem where all of our focus is on the wrong things. It would probably yeah. make far more sense to educate most children in the home economy, home economics. In, in France, of, of, they have a three, nutrition. Yeah. And, and in France, else. they have a three-course meal for lunch at yeah. school from nursery. Yeah. And everybody eats everything. They have snails. They have everything. We tend to say here, oh, I've done it. I mean, we've got incredibly fussy children. Yeah. I've messed my Our girls have the most terrible diet. Terrible. Mm. And it's so much more frustrating for me because I know what a good diet is. But... Well, if our kids have, have a terrible diet and they've got you essentially <laughs> looking, out, looking out and keeping their back, then it makes you wonder what the majority of kids really and, are eating. And sleep. Sleep is a huge yeah. problem with well, mental... I think we need to do a whole chat about sleep. Illness a massive and problem. depression, yeah. Uh, some other comments here. Suzanne Fish, we're all trying too hard to be perfect, both as parents and as children. Yeah. Where does the pressure to be perfect come from? Why do we feel that there's more pressure? I do think we have a peculiarly British, we're very sort of, what's the German schadenfreude? We're very sort of naysay, aren't we, about success or people who think they're a bit big for their boots or a bit beyond themselves and all that. And I do think that as a culture, we like to think we are not sort of victims of the class system, but we are an incredibly bitchy, snobby 
judgmental culture. I hate to say it. I think more often than not, where we're not like can that, be not totally. No, yeah, but more often than not, I would say that you know it's where it's where our, what, what I love about the UK is how multicultural we can be. And when you're in those multicultural communities, there's less of that kind of class thing going on. But I do find, I mean, if I think about my upbringing, there's so much curtain twitching. What will the neighbours say? What do they? Or if you go to college, or if you do this, so we're driven by keeping up with the Joneses. I do think that's across all nations. Well, I, I really do. But I do think we have a very specific and very rigid class system. We, we do still doff our cap. Why would we have almost an entire government of Etonites if we weren't a little bit tub oh, my yeah, forelock, yeah. doff my cap? Well, what I would say as well, we, I think we need a bit more of twitchy curtains because, again, you know, Italy, Spain, France, people live more in a community. If you behave badly, you bring embarrassment and shame to the whole family. Right. Here we care less and less by the, about that, I think, because we don't know our neighbours. And what does it matter how your daughter walks along the yeah, street? Yeah, but there's a difference between community and closed off sort of individuality yeah. judging. But we everything. lack community. We, do lack we community really, massively. really do in this country. And I don't know how we can how we can fix that. Well, I, you know, what I'm, I hope in, in when I'm feeling cup half full, I think COVID and the pandemic will make us feel like we pull together more. And then I look at the way in which people are pointing the fingers so quickly and rapidly. And you think, oh my God, is it just going to entrench old habits? And then we're going to Brexit. And then we're going to, I don't know. Sometimes I get, I feel so bleak about our, about our ability. So imagine to how our be, kids feel. Well, exactly. Uh, Anya Bookshe has uh, said stiff upper lip culture doesn't allow kids, especially boys, to express themselves fully. Mm. I do think I do. You know, I think it's a curious one. I think there are different pressures on girls v boys. I don't think one gender feels it any more than the other. I think boys, there's huge pressure on boys to man up, be a boy, all be those a man, awful all words that we stuff. Use. We like to think in this sort of metrosexual age that maybe it's a bit different, but I don't think it is at all. Uh, no. Maybe in little pockets of rightfully posh London. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I absolutely. think mostly, I think mostly, uh, boys are really struggling still with all those ideas of what it is to be a man. When a boy is told, man up, what does that even mean? Yeah, exactly. I remember Prof Green, you know, the um, yes. musician on Loose Women talking about that. I think he had a whole campaign running to try and ban these words. Yes. Because he said I, he can remember as a little child literally playing in the sand pit and somebody saying that to him and him thinking, I don't know what you mean and feeling mm. panicked because he didn't know what it meant. To man up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is an interesting one. Sharon Hull, 1967, says, Parents work too many hours wanting to have it all. Why have kids and put them in nursery? Now, this stood out for me because there is a section, again, in our book, How Honey, I Homeschool the Kids, where we ask what's a deceptively simple question, which is why do we have children in the first place? I mean, obviously, this is assuming that we've all kind of, you know, often it's like a, a sort of wanted accident, isn't it? And then we, we, we run with it. It's an assumed part of everyone's narrative socially that you're going to have children. And I do think we do sometimes need to ask some quite difficult questions of ourselves. Well, yeah, I mean, I was really passionately wanted to talk about this in the book because it was part of how we came to accept the homeschooling, because to begin with, it was so difficult. It was so difficult to swim against the tide. And then I had to ask myself these really difficult questions. When I dream of my children getting eight GCSEs, 10 GCSEs, when I dream of them, you know, getting yeah. their bronze in their band, what actually is that about? How much of that is for my child and how much is that for me saying, oh, I'm doing well and I'm a good parent and look at me. You know, out of not not a bad intention, still out of a good intention, but it's like, is that actually in the best interest of my child? Yeah. Me deciding yeah. what these 
landmarks are that you reach yeah. as a parent and go, okay, done that one, done that one. Yeah. And they, when you really interrogate it, it, it is quite a painful question it's to ask yourself. It's incredibly painful. Because like, your ego comes into it massively. Yeah, and I found it a very painful part to, to consider, especially as a father to four daughters, to that I don't, you know, that I'm essentially an absent parent of, um, you know, present in their lives in some capacity, but, you know, absent don't nonetheless. Huh? Mm. Don't live with. No, no, absolutely. It's an awful but, saying, that absence. No, no, I know. I wish there was another phrase. But... In that painful question, you know, and, you know, in trying to answer that painful question, we do have to ask ourselves, well, are we sort of necessarily bringing children into a world where the opportunities aren't what they used to be? Hope isn't quite what it used to be. Do we, should we be judging those things? Should we be measuring those things when we have children? Or do we all just plough ahead feeling it's it's our right? It's our right to have children. And I think it's a really curious and difficult question. I think, I mean, one could talk about that for hours as a, as a separate as a separate chat. Tracy Gillett, unrealistic expectations are put onto our children. We need to let them be children and find their own passions. Homeschooling, that's where homeschooling yeah. is such a wonderfully... And good schools. Liber- and good schools. Homeschooling school. yeah. and good schools. Yes. But there's so many schools are overwhelmed with huge numbers. Teachers that are stressed and worn out and just fed up with the curriculum and the constant mm. testing. And that's why so many teachers that we talk to are so frustrated, yes. so frustrated. Yeah, absolutely. Because then when a child is sent home with loads of homework and then loads of afternoon clubs, where's the space for them to find out who they are and to find out what makes their heart sing? Because there's always somebody else telling them what, what they need to do. Absolutely agree. Alice Marie McMichael, too many parents stuck to their smartphones. Yeah. I think that's true. I mean, I think many teenagers, I can't remember where I read this, but most teenagers, when they declare what their biggest problem with their parents is, is the fact that their parents are more addicted to their smartphones than they are. I do think also children, just by the nature of children, they learn very quickly that that's something to shut parents up with very quickly because parents carry the guilt. And don't forget, any child can sniff out guilt like a rat can sniff out a lump of cheese. You know, (laughs) they are, and then they are up that drain pipe as fast as they can. So it does kind of stymie us when they say, well, you're on your phone. Uh, but the thing is, yes. what we say to them is, we work from home so that you can be homeschooled. Yeah. So we are on we are on our phones because we are. I mean, you know, it's practically our full time business. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a couple of really interesting ones here. Cumberpatch Charlie says, "Life is too easy. Actually, children are rarely taught to value important emotional connections anymore." So a suggest, I think the suggestion mm-hmm. there being that's a, part of it too. Yeah, that's that, interesting. The, the, because life's a lot easier in some regards, the smallest thing becomes a mm. problem. And I think in a weird way that I thought this was really philosophical because I do think sometimes that unhappiness in our culture, by and large, our Western consumptive, you know, we, we, we consume everything. We, you know, voraciously need more. We have so much choice. And one of the things that we've talked a lot about in this pandemic and in lockdown is that in a weird way, we've had things stripped back in a horrible way and we don't want it in certain ways, but in other ways we've had choice removed and that's been in its own way, quite liberating because actually, you know, we need to have some of the vast number of choices we've, we've had and got in life removed because if you spoil someone or give them too many choices, the sense and the potential for dissatisfaction increases exponentially. You know, if you've got 20 opportunities that could all satisfy you, but you don't get any of them, you're going to feel 20 times more disappointed. I think also because we're all busy we t- and we definitely fall foul of this, we tend to say, oh, I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll do that, because it's quicker. And it's a different kind of neglect that because you're never letting child, and it starts right from when they're small when they can't open something and you open it for them yeah. just quickly or you do up the shoelace just quickly. And that goes right through, oh, I'll ring that, oh, I'll book that, oh, I'll do that for it. I'll do that. And those little moments where we, you know, 
have to do something and we do it and we pull it off successfully, however small it is, yeah. it's an important build, important building block. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, and I think we are all in a rush and we all just say, oh, I'll just do that far too often. Yeah. Messy hair and muddy boots, says what I just said a moment ago. Exam pressure based on an outdated education model formed in the Industrial Revolution. Absolutely true. I mean, if, you know, would you not look at your car that's really old and think maybe I need a car that needs to be slightly modernised for the road? Mm. Life changes. Mm. The needs of, of a culture and society mm. changes. The jobs, and this is a moment. This is When a moment. it's all collapsed yeah. around us, why don't they rebuild it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, what's next, mums? I think we lack structure and the family unit in the UK, unlike other countries, which brings us mm. neatly round full in a full circle, circle back mm. to your trips abroad. Uh, I didn't go abroad much as a child, so um, it was only as I got older that I you began to You didn't go see... abroad till you were like 18, did no, you? No, no, absolutely, yeah. yeah, 16, 17. But um, I feel very blessed that I had I'm mixed heritage, so I had this colour and this huge family, you know, the yeah. beating heart of like, woof, when everyone scoops you up and you are going to be saved. And if something goes wrong, somebody, somebody, someone, somebody in this family will be able to give you a tenner or somebody will be yes. able to give you a lift. So a mini community, yeah. each family should be a community. And because we don't have a community so much outside the front door, I think it's more important than ever. And I think let's just end on two comments. We get lots of people follow and listen us, listen to us who are very young, who are themselves teenagers and children. Uh, Patrick Salt says, I'm a kid and I can definitely say that all the stress and the enormous amount of school pressure is around exams. Oh, uh, sweetie. Kerry J says, too much pressure on exams from a very young age, starting at SATs in primary school. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, my God. I get so cross about it. I get yeah. so frustrated. All young listeners, we hear you. Yeah. We just think it's a messed up system. And unfortunately, it's the only one we have at the moment. So you've got to do it. You've got to do what they say. Yes. But but just know that we hear you and yeah. we feel for you. And we, it's not. And it won't be for your whole life. No. You know, you know, get those A-levels and whatever, GCSEs out the way, and then you will be free to make your own choices. Absolutely. And to continue learning on. Don't think it all has to end then. And don't forget, you are not uh, an A-level grade. You are not a number. I mean, the irony is, is that there was that great series, wasn't there? The Prisoner or whatever it was. I am not a number. I am a free man. Yeah. You know, the system tries to categorise everyone into streams, departments, levels, grades. It's like Maddie it's said, terrible. you know, some of her friends do think because they've got this grade or that grade, literally yeah, life, life is, is sorted. Over. And, or life is uh, over. Yeah. It, yeah it, no, no, sorted or yeah, over. over. The thing yeah. is, it's just not that sim simple. Absolutely. It really isn't. There's hope for everyone. Uh, I got one O level and I've got a pretty good life. Well, let's just end on a contentious one here from Francois Camanzuli. Most children are spoilt nowadays, so when they don't get what they want, they're unhappy. Could be a bit of truth in that too. I think there's, I think there's truth in everything. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's a multidisciplinary action needs to be taken. <laughs> but I put it this way: the reason our kids aren't happy is I think the vast majority of us adults aren't happy either exactly. in Britain. Well, that's it for this episode of Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you'd like to comment on any of the topics we've discussed today, we'd love you to get in touch and use the hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Nadia Sawala. And on Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and family. And if you fancy getting in touch with me, it's at Mark underscore Adderley. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate and review. Tell your friends and get involved. And you can hear more episodes of Confessions of a Modern Parent on Global Player or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Ta -da. Bye. <laughs>